Welcome to How Have You Not Seen, a movie podcast where we fill in the gaps in each other's cinematic knowledge by asking important questions like, whoa, you never watched The Third Man? Or, you still haven't seen Princess Mononoke? Or, how have you not seen Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Welcome, welcome, welcome back to How Have You Not Seen. I am your host, Carson Betts. And I am your co-host, Caroline Thompson. This is a movie podcast where every week one of us brings one of our favorite movies the other hasn't seen. We talk about it. And we, you know, watch the movie. Then we talk about it some more. It's going to be a, a just a, a, an early 1900s, lightly sepia-toned, good, inspired by the Odyssey, good time. Yes, it is. So, Caroline, here yes. we are in the year of our Lord, 2021. That is that is what they have told me, yes. That is. How have you not seen? This is the most stilted introduction to this podcast I've ever given. And guess what? We're keeping it in. It's all part of it, warts and all. If there's one thing that this podcast stands for, it is just the integrity of the everyday human experience. And, and we're keeping that in, Caroline. We're keeping that in. How have you not seen, oh, brother, where art thou? Um, just like every week, the first sentence out of my mouth is that's a good question. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so, oh, brother, where art thou? So I don't know how I haven't seen it because, you know, the Coens are, you know, I mean, they have a ton of movies and I haven't seen every Coen Brothers movie, but like sure. in terms of what's come out in my lifetime, this is one of the bigger ones you know um this is and this is one of like both like the most acclaimed ones and this is one of like the most fan favorite ones as well and it's also like a very kind of like like uh cross demographic like uh beloved one it's one of those things where it's like it's like people who are super into movies say it's incredible people who like are not movie people just like the common like you know everyday folk you know who who you're, i know your like, producer Corey's. yeah your our producer, producer Corey's. you're, even, you're yeah. the best families my entire but even family. yeah even like the my dads of the world you yes. know what i mean yes. and and so it, it's crazy that i haven't seen it i will say um we on the show are very, very, very good about being like very honest about like whether or not we've seen something. And there have been a few times when there have been a few times when we've been like, eh, like I've kind of seen this one. I was like, I was like real little or it's been so long or I was drunk and we're pretty much like, if there's any way we're just like, no, no, that doesn't count. Like you've technically seen it um I know that when I was very very young like seven years old eight years old I know that my dad watched this on TBS and I know because they played it all the time yeah and I know that I have seen at least part of it but it's one of those things that like I know that I've never seen it all the way through and the only things I remember from it are things that I have seen like on Twitter or like elsewhere um so this is one that like I just have never seen all the way through. I have never sat down. I've never been the one to put it on. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, um how that's happened, I I honestly don't know. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> uh I love this movie so much. This is this is the other movie this season other than before uh before sunrise that I I was just so looking forward to viewing because it is you know, within the top 10 movies, like within my top 10 movies, it's so fucking good. And I I do just want to say, I do think that this movie has a kind of weird cultural place because it it is both, I think in some ways, like a cult Coen Brothers comedy that is even a little bit cultier than like Big Lebowski. Like Big Lebowski has this very particular, like assigned place in culture where 
there are these memes from that movie that are just so recognizable that I don't necessarily know that Oh Brother Wartho has, but Caroline, you were so right that like, it is also like such a my dad's movie, you know, like there is that aspect of it. It's like the, the intensity of the fandom for this one is much less than the intensity of the fandom for Big Lebowski but the um, yeah. the number of people it's who broader. you would consider fans of this movie is much larger. I would uh, say. I'll put it. I'll put it this way. You know what movie you can get on Blu-ray in 4K right now off of Amazon? Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski. You know what movie you uh, cannot find a Blu-ray of on Amazon I'm right assuming, now? I'm assuming this. Oh, brother, why? Because guess what? I've tried many, many times, and it, it uh, you, you simply can't. At least has it never been released? Moment. I think it's been released, but it's one of those like really weird sort of limited releases. And occasionally, I'll see like, uh, and again, it's one of those that I check in every couple months just because I think about it. And I'm like just waiting it for it to be available, and like occasionally you get one where it's like some like French Canadian supplier like maybe you can get it from but it's really expensive it's it's one of those ones it's one of those that I really 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 I I wish because it came out in 2000 like if last year they had been like here's the 20th anniversary blu-ray I would have paid fucking 40 dollars for it like easy um but then also weirdly enough it is a movie that the dvd of which sat on my grandparents shelf my entire childhood right right yeah and like I saw this movie probably I don't even know like a a good handful of times all throughout my childhood and was always very perplexed by it like it does kind of have the the sort of Coen Brothers comedic sensibility is something that I now as an adult am so attuned to like it is as close I think a sort of comedic sensibility as you can get to maybe just what mine is at its natural baseline level but as a child the sort of oddness of this movie like really turned me off and I never understood why like my uncles were laughing at it so much but now as an adult having rewatched it a number of times as an adult this thing is so good it is so funny it is so infinitely rewatchable it is a movie where last Christmas Eve when I was hanging around with a group of my family there was a point at which everybody in the room just kind of did one quote from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And then it moved to the next person. And then they were like, and here's the quote from that movie that I like. And it it's, yeah, I, I love this thing so much. It does, it is much like the Mel Brooks movies where it's kind of so ingrained into both my and like my mother's side of my family's like heritage that I, I, I just feel like a weird ownership over it that I, I don't know. It's very odd, but. Can All I, right. Can I can I cut in with a uh, oh, producer please. producer addendum for a second? Love uh, it. You currently can buy a Blu-ray of this movie on Amazon. You can. Yep. Shit. Okay. Well, I'm gonna open Amazon. <laughs> so then, when we're done wow. here, I can. Corey, how much does it cost? Nineteen. Yeah. How much does it cost? Nineteen ninety-five. Oh fuck. Honestly? Oh, you can. Oh, you can. Oh man. Okay. Wait. Sorry. I'll do this later. I'll do this later. No, Thank you, you can, Corey. You can do it now. And I can cut around it. And we can just no, no, no. It it's, like... it's 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 okay. It's okay. I'll do this later. We got to record some stuff. Let's 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 do it. Caroline, what do you know about a brother warrant though? Um. So it is. I know that. I mean, obviously, it's a Coen Brothers movie. Uh, it is a sort of like retelling of the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Um, Homer's the Odyssey. Yeah, we'll talk about that a lot and, in the back half. I think. And it's in, and it's in like the American Deep South, right? Like yes. Southeast. Um, yes. And it's Prohibition era. Yeah. Are they bootleggers? No, they're not bootleggers. No, no, okay. no. That's a good. That's a good guess. That's a good guess. But it is that. It might top. actually be. It might actually be pre-Prohibition, just barely. Okay, but like that general um, yes. era. Yeah. And I know that like. Oh, no, so, it's, it's it's just post, I lied. Just post, okay. Just post. And so, I mean, they, are they released from, or they escape from a chain gang? They escape from a chain gang. They escape from the chain gang, yeah. and it's just kind of them getting home. And, like, I know that I've seen the, um, 
I don't know if it's the poster or the like the DVD cover or both, but it's like the three of them are like looking out on the bottom and it has the title. And then it's like the three of them running in there, um, you know, in their, yeah. uh, in their like uh prisoner, like black, white jumpsuits, um, like chained together. Um, I know that music is a really big deal in this. Yep. Um, yep. there's a, there's a, cause it's, it's kind of one of those weird ones where it's like, it's not a musical, but it's not just a movie about people singing songs. Like it's kind of that like little gray area in between sure. where it's like, it's not full blown musical numbers, but it also isn't just like, and now I'm going to take out my guitar and sing a song. Right. Like it's. Yeah. Yeah. It's not quite like um to like a la la land sort of level but it is a yeah you're on to something i don't even if i were to explain it it would kind of give it away so i don't want to do that necessarily but yeah the song the music is a very important aspect of this movie that is that is yeah something that you were correct about and then the only other thing the only other thing about the actual movie i know um which is just something i have seen quoted all the goddamn time is just I am a Dapper Dan man. Yes, yes, my um, yes, Which is yes. his, which is like the the, the yeah. brand of hair grease he uh-huh. uses. Is that right? Uh-huh. Okay. This is pomade. Okay. And, um, and then the only other thing other than that, which isn't even really about the movie, is I just know that once every six weeks, I'm mm-hmm. at a bar or a restaurant or mm-hmm. somewhere and a song comes on and somebody mm-hmm. starts singing it. And I'm yep. like, and they're always like, oh, it's the song from Oh Brother Where yep. Are You? <laughs> yep. But I don't know what song it is because I don't know it. And then I go, oh, okay. And then like they're really into it. And then like six weeks later, I'm like at another event and a song comes on. Like, oh, yeah, this is the one from Oh Brother Where Are You? I love this song. You're talking about a song that came on at my work last week in which I sang at full volume. <laughs> yes. And was very annoying about it to everybody. It was like, you guys, you guys see Oh Brother Why? This is the song from Brother Why That that makes sense. That makes it's a lot of sense. It's two Coen Brothers too. movies. It's 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 the song from Brother Without that Where Art Thou, and then it's um uh, uh from Inside Lewin Davis that anytime it comes on in a, a real bar, I'm just like, guys, guys, do, do you know? Do you know why? <laughs> oh god, I was such a nerd. Is that all you know, Caroline? Um, yes. Yes, I think so. Okay. Well, in that case, it's time to move on to our little game of the week, something we have not played in a hot minute. Two truths and a lie. A a game which is, I think, explained by its name and also which just people play in a lot of circumstances generally, you know? If you've, like, been to summer camp or if you've been to training for a job. On a dating app, you know, two truths and a lie. It's a thing. So, Caroline, I'm going to be reading three facts about the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Art Thou? You're going to obviously try and pick which one is a lie, a manufactured manufactured piece of information that I made up for the sake of this game. Are you ready? Um, As ready as I'll ever be. All right. There is a character in the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? named Wash Hogwallop. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. There is a character in the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, named Cookie Johnson Jr. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There is a character in the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, named Pappy O'Daniel. Okay. Um, So two of those names are real characters, and one of them is one that you've made up. Yep. Um, Could you just, could you give them to me one more time? Wash Hogwallop, Wash Hogwallop, Cookie Johnson Jr., and Pappy O'Daniel. I'm going to say Pappy O'Daniel is the Pappy fake Pappy O'Daniel. Final, yeah. que- final answer. Final answer. You are wrong! No! <laughs> Pappy O'Daniel is a character played by Charles Durning, one of my, uh, barely a character, more of a running gag, one of my favorite in the movies. Uh, it was Cookie Johnson Jr., Cookie Johnson I, Jr. It's basically what I did when I, was at, when I was at the gym today was just think of fake names that I could slot <laughs> in, <laughs> in this game. All right. Well, with that, are you ready to watch this movie? I am beyond ready to go watch this movie. I am so ready to watch this movie. Let, let's go. Let's do it.
We're back. We are from the from the deep south. In the deep, our... from the deep south, midst of the depression, we are back. Caroline. Yes. Oh, brother. We're out there. We're, we're out that. Okay, let's just, you know what? I'm just going to come out and say it. Uh, Carson's a tie tie boy in this episode. The energy's going to be weird. <laughs> I love it. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Caroline, what did you think about this movie? I enjoyed the hell out of it. Good. Good. It is, it is lovely. Um, It is, I mean, it is just perfect in just about every way. Um, Yeah. I mean, I just finished watching this one Mm -hmm. and I feel like I, kind of understand 80% of the pop culture references I've heard in the last yeah. 10 years better. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't even know where to begin. I really don't. Um, I mean, I guess I'm just going to start by lamenting, um, you know, by lamenting the fact that uh, we don't get, I, I won't say smart as in like, clever or like smart is in like people care about them but we don't get like we don't get just like smart broad mid-budget comedies like this anymore yeah Yeah. um in a way that i find i found very sad honestly watching this because like it's one of those things where this movie does seem kind of like perfectly timeless in terms of like it doesn't it has not aged let me put it this way. It is not a film that you look at it and you go, oh, because of like X, Y, and Z, I can tell when this was made because like we don't do that anymore because it's dated and we've outgrown it. I looked at this and was like, I know exactly when this movie was made because there's just like three things that like, there are three things that I can pick out that just like, we don't do anymore and it's perfect and it's timeless and we should still do it, but we can't, but we just don't. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean like I, you know, before we even get into, before we even get into the whole, like, you know, like how brilliant this movie is, how yeah. perfectly done it is, blah, blah, blah. Like, it is fun and it is stupid and yeah. it is delightful. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. like, and like, I mean, I think that's the thing at the end of the day. And I guess one thing that like, that I so enjoy about this movie is the humor comes from a very fun, silly, broad script that is not that is that is fully written out you know what i mean like it's not it's not apatow style like we're gonna let you riff and put in the best lines and it's all about just saying like the funniest thing like like your character needs to say like a funny joke so like make a funny joke here insert funny joke written by you know whoever it is a very silly situation in which characters um say sometimes smart sometimes dumb sometimes like you know, very, very observant things, but just like, it is like, these characters are not wisecracking, you know, like it's not just this like goofy, stupid humor. It's like, I don't know. And it's just, it's just great. It's just great. It's the script of this movie really is the thing. I mean, like the, the production is a lot. I don't, I don't think we mentioned the first half, but I mean, like the thing I hear about this movie brought up a lot, whatever is that it was the first movie to use digital color grading i was just i was going to talk about that for like 10 minutes yeah i was going to talk about that for like 10 that was one of the three things yeah this thing is like aesthetically like sumptuous and beautiful like it is great to look at it is i frequently say like there are like a couple of aesthetics that i kind of wish i could just live in forever and usually i say the wild west but i think what i mean when i say that is this movie (laughs) <laughs> which is just like a kind you know, of the deep southeast yeah well yeah yeah unfortunately but like but like the fantastical like plaster scene version of it that this movie puts forth like like them in the middle of the woods at that time in history where right. like 
it works well as a place for, you know, we, as much as this is like a very weird adaptation of the Odyssey and like, have you heard the kind of, you know, the, I don't know the truth to it, but the apocryphal stories that neither the Coen brothers read the Odyssey before they wrote this movie. I have heard that. Yeah, I have I heard that, that so much. Kind of look. And it, yeah, and Corey, it, it kind of makes sense, right? Like it's not, this movie is not about the Odyssey. It's about taking things from the Odyssey and kind of redoing them in fun ways. But like, it, it, this works as a place in which to restage the Odyssey because like the it is the weird thing about the South before the 50s where it's like, there was kind of some civilization there, sort of, like the towns were basically modern, but then there was all this just kind of empty in-between space where, like, look, if something magic happened, no one would know. Like, right. like if you pick up a young man off the side of the road and he says, yeah, I sold my soul to the devil, who's going to know that he's lying? Like, who's, you know, maybe he did. Right. Well, and no, I mean, I... I agree. And I have also never read the Odyssey. So there was a lot of stuff in here. Like, 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 (laughs) like I, like they went through the whole scene with John Goodman. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, okay, like watching a scene in a movie, watching a scene in a movie, watching a scene in a movie. And like five minutes later, I like, that's the Cyclops. And I thought I was so smart. I thought I was so smart. And then I was like, no, I'm I'm extraordinarily stupid that it took me five minutes after the scene was over before I put it together. But it's like, it's not even a direct adaptation because the whole thing in the Odyssey is that they have to trick the Cyclops and the Cyclops, like it's right. not, in this one they do the opposite. It's like, Cyclops tricks them, not even well, just because they're fucking stupid. Like, <laughs> literally, oh my god! I just rewatched it today. It's literally the scene of I. I this is my favorite George Clooney role by a country mile. Oh my he's god, so yeah. he's great. Good he's great in this movie. This Such is a the thing. Stupid idiot. Like is everyone, yeah. everyone, like our mom's age is like George Clooney is like so hot, the handsomest man alive, the sexiest yeah. man in the world. And for the last twenty five years, I've been like, okay, like yeah, like he's he is like. If I if I see him a photograph of him, I can objectively point to like why he is traditionally handsome. Yeah. And then I'm watching this movie and I'm like, George Clooney is the sexiest man who ever He's walked super this hot. <laughs> George Clooney is the hot. hottest man who has ever He's walked this earth. So hot. Oh his, my god. His his hair it is it, it's great that his hair is such a an endless uh like jumping off point for like gags and jokes because his hair looks fucking great in this movie. It looks man, good. it looks good. It's so good. Like I get, I'm like, man, I want to be a Dapper Dan man. Like you're doing something right there, George. Yeah. Um, there is, I will say, I found on Amazon. There is a British company, a British hair cream company that makes a hair. Like, I, makes think I, don't think pom- I don't think it's pomade. I think it's hair cream, but it's called mm-hmm. Dapper Dan. And all of the comments are just fucking, oh brother, where are thou memes? Like that, the whole, I feel so bad for this company because if somebody wants they to- know exactly they, they, buy, they know yeah, exactly what they do. They know exactly what they do. I don't know, did. because like the company, I don't know, maybe it's, I don't know, it's tough to tell, it's a foreign seller, who knows? I, in my mind, I like to think that it's a total coincidence because that makes it funnier to me, but yeah, they might have, that might've been a purposeful thing. But yeah, Clooney's great, but it, I'm just, uh, fucking the, the scene with John Goodman, he is- it is my favorite comic archetype is someone who thinks that they are incredibly intelligent because they're good at, probably it's because this is just who I am in real life. Someone who thinks that they're incredibly intelligent because they're really good at talking, but is <laughs> just a giant dumb idiot. It's like, it's, it's George, George Clooney in this movie. And then also I think his second best performance is in the Coen brothers burn after reading in which he's doing a very similar thing. Um, it's fucking Peggy Hill on King of the Hill, my favorite character on King of the Hill. Just great, 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 great. Um, but in the scene with John Goodman, John Goodman basically says, yeah, I'm about to like pull one on you, pulls the fucking like bit off the tree and then whacks Delmer with it two times. And George Clooney is just sitting there with this look on his face. Like, what's this about? He goes, what? What are you gonna teach us, Big Dan? And then you fucking knocks him out. Uh, it's just so stupid and so slow. Oh, it's great. Yeah, and that's the whole movie is just perfect little gags like that. Yeah, and it's and it's 
it is so many perfect little gags. First of all, this movie has the best face acting I've seen oh, yeah. in a long time oh. in terms of just like, this is going to be very hard to like express via an audio medium, yes, yes. but how like all of these people like who are very like handsome, like put together men in real life are just like getting one eye to pop out of their head while the other goes a little limp, like while, how they get these these like slack jaws and overbites and underbites like teeth. oh my god i know teeth. it's it's so good it is it is an incredible um role from john Turturro. Mm. like one of i mean he's i mean he's a national treasure that man oh, yeah. and i mean it was one of those things where as the opening credits were rolling um because i've seen the poster before and i guess i had to have known that um uh, i had to have known that Turturro was in it but like Clooney is obviously like like the guy everybody talks about but like it makes so much sense because Turturro is like such a staple for the Coens and like they work with him so frequently same thing too with Goodman but it was just that thing when it's just like it's just like George Clooney I was like hell yeah John Turturro I'm sorry what a few later John Goodman are you kidding me Holly Hunter I I basically stood up and screamed I basically stood up and screamed um best thing you ever did for them girls was getting hit by (laughs) (laughs) which is which is which is really perfect yeah but yeah I mean this feels like in so many ways like going back to the color grading thing um this was one of those ones where it it really struck me as being like absolutely perfect and so i didn't know um i did not know it was the first film to ever be fully digitally color graded but it was one of those things where it's like i knew about the era this was from and i got like halfway through it and i'm just like i'm like the color grading in this film is so perfect. I yeah, was like, really cool. I was like, how did they like, I was like, I was like, this had to have been one of the first. And I looked it up and it was the, the first, first yeah. which makes so much sense to me because it kind of is that thing that like I talk about a lot of like, it's that Jurassic park thing of like, they did not know what they were doing. Like there was not a template mm-hmm. for this. So they just tweaked and tweaked and tweaked and just like yeah. did it until it was perfect and um and it is and it is just that thing of like give me one second yeah get ripped you're fine i love how much you love this movie i love it so much i love it It, it's so good i was this is one of my this is probably like top three episode for me this season i was that i was looking forward to yes i this movie fills me because it's one of those movies that every time i watch it i just i sit on my couch every time i watch it i sit on my couch like with my with my like legs wrapped, kid. Like arms wrapped, my, and I just kind of like every time something funny happens, I just kind of giggle, and then usually I'll because re- I'll repeat the line they just said because I'm so taken with how the line is written and how it is like how it is uh, delivered, and then another funny thing has happened, and then I giggle at that again, and then I just kind of roll over like a little kid again. <laughs> I wait for the next one. No, yes. Um, so sorry if you guys just heard my cat screaming in the hallway. She does this really fun thing where she finds socks. Like we yeah. like literally have to hide our socks. But I did get home from work and take off my shoes and forget to literally hide my socks. <laughs> so she socks. finds them and she carries them around like she has just killed like yeah. food for the family. And she just screams until she uh, until one of us takes it from her. Like no joke. Like she would have screamed for twenty minutes if I did not just go out there. It's okay. Ripley's the unofficial fourth member of this podcast. Yes. she's Absolutely. perfect but, yeah no so it is that thing where like i was watching this and i was like okay i was like this had to have been this is such perfect color grading i was like yeah this had to have been like so early and to find out that it was one of the it was literally the first to do it entirely digitally makes so 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 so, so much sense and it just kind of is that perfect nexus of things where it's like you know, they can have these broad comedies that like they're they, so the budget on this was 26 million, which like in 1997 was not nothing. Yeah, no. you know, that's certainly not nothing. very mid grade. Yeah, but it's kind of very, that thing where like, yeah. yeah, for the last like, I mean, you know, I would honestly say like for the last 15 ish years, like comedies have largely been the cheap films in Hollywood. You know what I mean? It's like it's like. 
because the blockbuster has become so fucking important. And it's like, it's like, why would we make, why would we spend, why would we spend 10 million, 10 times to make half a billion dollars when we could spend a hundred billion once and make a billion dollars? It's like, you know, why would we do that? Um, and so it is just that thing of like, companies just don't have camera work anymore. And like, yeah, it's, like it's, it, that, sound, that sounds rude, but it's true. Oh, like, it's, it, and it's, it, it's the aftow thing. It's, you said it yeah. before, it's the aftow thing. Which like, I like Jet Aftow. His movies are- Me too, me too. Are, are, are general, I don't think that there's, I think I've seen all his movies and I don't think there's one that I dislike. You know, like, I didn't like fucking uh, King Staten Island. Like, I thought it was pretty good. Right. But, and, and, and it's a type of movie making that I appreciate. And like, if you ever listen to Jed Aftow talk about the way he makes films, he's incredible. Like, he's a very surprisingly conscientious man, given that his films feel so breezy, like breezy and improvised. But it is a style that has, like you said, completely taken over. The thing. Right. And it's, it's just that's that thing. all that it is now. Yeah, and it's just that thing of, like, well, like, why would we, you know, like, and don't get me wrong, this is obviously such an overgeneralization that, like, I hope people, you know, I hope people yeah, are yes. tweeting at us that just, like, this film, like, was shot by this incredible cinematographer, <laughs> like, was, like, the DP on this film is actually amazing. It's, like, it's, like, yes, like, I'm not saying that, like, it's bad. I'm not saying that they are poor. It's just that, like, so many studio comedies is, it's, like, okay, well, like, you know, our, whatever, our Avengers or our Justice Leagues or like whatever we're pouring a hundred million dollars into yeah. is going to yield us a billion dollars. Your comedy is going to give us, you know, if we're lucky, 150 to 200 million dollars, unless we have like some kind of like outrageous hit. So it's like, it's like you get $8 million and it's like, and it's like, it's most of it's like shot in coverage. You know, most of it is just that, like, you know, most of it just is that thing of like, you know, most studio com uh, comedies are competently lit. You know what I mean? Like you can see everything. Like the, the spaces are, f you know, the spaces are adequately full of light to where you can see what's going on. Yeah. But like the lighting in this movie is beautiful. Yeah. And it is just that thing of like, of like this movie was designed and this yeah. movie was written. And like when I think about movies Artfully that feel made, like yes. this, they're all like, 80s early 90s or their coen brothers films mm -hmm. and so to see this movie which like honestly looks just as good as true grit does and true grit comes a decade later yep. and did they is, made true grit yep. they did yeah they made some of my favorite westerns true grit and fucking uh, no country for old men like these very, right. uh, true grit which is also arguably a comedy most of the time it is it is a it is a it is a film that has enough humor in it that like you could call it a comedy but it was not marketed as a comedy it is not it yeah. is you know it was a big oscar play as was no country for old men which is a straight up like hard-boiled drama oh, like no country like, for old men is uh you know <laughs> and it's like watch in the best like, possible way yeah and and it's these things of like of like this movie looks just as good as you know <laughs> as as like their their films that they'd be making 10 15 years later and it just yeah. like it is hitting at that perfect moment of like you know there is we can do a mid-budget comedy and like shell out you know however much it costs to get the coloring perfect on it and like pioneer this technology to get the coloring on it perfect in a way that just isn't done for comedies anymore and it's like kind of you know, kind of reserved for films that are big Oscar plays or these epics, you know? The idea of there being a... And it's it's also changed now where, like, I, I immediately then thought, well, you would get that on TV. You get this on TV all the time. The idea of there being a, like, genre fiction comedy or a comedy that is set in a time and place that is not modern day is kind of like getting that as a film is kind of insane. Like, you know, a, a right. wide budget release where, yeah, that would happen on TV. It does happen on TV all the time now, but yeah, it, that is absolutely, I mean, you're, yeah, you're correct. And it is, it is sad. And it's like, I don't know again, cause I talked so much in the first half about how this movie is very important to me and my family. Like the, you know, the, you know, yeah. this movie and, and, and like 
all the early Mel Brooks stuff. That's, you know, I think I put that in a very similar vein as this movie, just given that it is like, wow, the production quality of most of those movies is, you know, quite good and dependent on upon having enough money to shoot young Frankenstein such that it does actually look very much like the 1930s Frankenstein movie. But like, I do wonder if what those comedies are going to be for like families a generation from now. Because I feel like people our age that are having kids, a lot of those movies that are getting passed on are kind of the Apatow era ones. It's no like you got your stepbrothers and you got your Talladega Nights, but like again, once you hit like the bridesmaids past that, there's just not a lot of big kind of mid-budget comedies. And I don't know what's getting passed on, you know? Right. Yeah, and it's, it's all on Netflix now. Yeah, it's The entire genre is Netflix now. Yep. Right. Yeah, you're and right, Corey. You're right. It's like this thing where like, you know, even before you started saying that, Carson, I Googled, you know, because like I can think of like a bunch of 2010s comedies, but I wanted mm-hmm. to see what would come up when I search 2010s comedies. Pop and star. Not that this is not that this is a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. Like this really isn't. And there's like a lot. But, you know, it's that thing that I remember as a kid where it's like it's like my parents would watch a movie like this. And the humor, the adult humor is tame enough and like it it is done with enough um innuendo or what have you then it just goes over your kid's head i'm like i googled 2010s comedies and it's like you know the ones that are coming up 21 jump street like we're the millers 21 jump street rules though Actually, that is maybe an exception that proves the rule. 21 and 22 Jump Street are, uh, I think, very artfully made movies for the most part. Uh, I think you might be going a little far on that one. Just but, not 21 Jump Street's great. Go on, go on. But, you know, it's, it, it's that and it's, you know, it's like all of these movies, um, you know, it's Kingsman, which is a genre, but it's like that is an action, action movie comedy. First, yeah. and, it's like, and it's like that is in no way shape or form zero percent appropriate for children you know none of these movies it's like you know like wedding crashers which i think was before 2010 but like you know what i mean it's like it's like so much once you get into the 2000s the raunch comedy takes over and it's like the closest thing to genre like really like cinematic genre comedies are all like the nice guys which was not a hit like well regarded but not a, a hit a great movie certainly not a, yeah certainly not Did appropriate not. for yeah. kids oh no this R-rated. Of, this kind of film just doesn't really exist anymore and you know you have another one for some reason that's coming up is grand budapest hotel and it's like mm-hmm. you can't show that to a kid it's why it's largely appropriate enough for a kid if mm-hmm. memory serves but like they're not gonna get anything you know what i mean like this this, yeah. this genre just kind of doesn't exist anymore in a way that's really tragic yeah and this movie kind of hits at a nexus of so many perfect things and set so many good trends that it's just kind of like there's not really anything else that feels like this yeah it, it, that is one of the reasons it is my favorite of the cohen's comedies in particular because like Big Lebowski is a little, is less broad. It is a bit more peculiar, but it is definitely more adult. You can't show that to a kid for the most part. A lot of sex jokes in that one. Uh, A lot of straight uh, up like like, nudity. Yeah, yeah. Hail Caesar is great, but is a little bit more intellectual than this movie. Right, can't show that to a kid. Uh, Burn After Reading is too absurd for a child. Um, Burn After Reading rules. I do love Burn After Reading. Great movie. But, and like fucking, the, what I think is the spiritual successor to this movie even, uh, Inside Lewin Davis, is not really even a comedy Ugh. anymore. It is a very, very funny drama, but it is a drama. Like, and it's bleak. It is, I mean, bleak that is hell. A, oh, it's so bleak. I do love Inside Lewin Davis. It's a great I do movie. Love, well, okay. love Inside Lewin Davis. This is a good connection then, because. Because well, the I music do, in this film is phenomenal. It's fucking slaps. Fucking and I think, I, I, I did think watching this, I'm just like, oh, so Joe Cohen wanted to be a folk singer. Yeah. <laughs> you know right. I mean? right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Like he he relates in some way to yeah. But so 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 T Bone Burnett who did the music for this was the guy who who did the music for like this and like Walk the Line and something else. I don't know. I was looking at it earlier today, but has done you know in the, is a guy who has done a lot of musical scoring and and getting music together for movies like this was the guy that turned the Coens on to Dave Van Rock, who is 
the guy that Lewin Davis that is Lewin based yeah, off is of like that. very closely based off of. So I, I do always weirdly kind of think of these two movies as sort of a weird brother sister pair. Definitely. Because it is kind of, I don't know, it is, it is another movie in which the color grading is very specific, but so much of it is, whereas this is like verdant and the cinematography is very open and very fanciful, that movie is very bleak and very muddy and, and all about like kind of closed, like closed spaces and how Lewin just can't, you know, these guys, their problem is that there's just too much around them to, to take hold of, whereas Lewin is just kind of cramped in this little box all the time. Right. And and, but they are very music. They are connected musically, like directly. Like a lot of the people that um, fucking like, um, like Gillian Welch, who is now because of Inside Llewyn Davis, one of my favorite like folk artists, like neo folk artists, uh, is in this movie. Like a lot of the people that they ended up enlisting to do movie for like m- music for Inside Llewyn Davis came from their connection they made on this movie. Like the music in this movie is so fucking important. I think to wrapping things together aesthetically also it's important to the plot of this movie it is half of the movie yeah. is weirdly about <laughs> rise to fame as a band <laughs> well and it's fun yeah. too because like i mean just like from a from a from a screenwriting standpoint mm-hmm. like the music throughout this movie like not only is it like aesthetically a treat for the audience and does it have like help move the plot along because it also serves as a score for the film for the most part but like it also is that thing too where it's like i did not see i did not see the twist coming i shouldn't even call it a twist but like i did not see like the plot point coming where it's like they're then at the rally you know and they sing their song and then that's what fixes everything because everything this movie like it is an odyssey film you know it is like there are just these vignettes so it's like oh it is funny that like one of the stops on their very silly journey that has a hundred silly stops is like they're strapped for cash so they sing a song but like that plot point like they bury that lead by every time they go to a new place there's a group of musicians there yeah you know what i mean there's like somebody singing a song for some reason almost all the music is diegetic Right. And so yeah. that's the thing is it's like, is it's like, well, like it, it doesn't stand out as the weird musical sequence mm-hmm. when, when they sing their song, when they, when there's like, well, shit, we need, we need 30 bucks. So like they're paying people $10 a piece to sing in that oh, can. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the joke, the, the joke blind of, guy, the, the jo- of fucking Steven Root, maybe my favorite, like character, act, like C-list character actor. I love Steven Root so much and everything he's in. Uh, he's a very just shout out. So excited for Barry season three on HBO. Feed it to me, please. Um, but fucking the joke at the end of that of I don't remember the name. The fucking names that Clooney comes up with off the top of his head, like Thaddeus, like whatever, like Thaddeus and Thatcher or whatever. Like uh, Thaddeus and Thatcher can't write, sir. So you're gonna have to have three signatures right. and two X's. <laughs> walk away with $50. I know, I know. He doesn't know how many of them there are. And you go, that's fine. Just go. Oh, it's fantastic. But yeah, I mean, like, it, it, like, it is, it is so good that, because, you know, it's like, it's like, it's the same thing too with the sirens. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, like, those that get so buried yeah. in there of just like, it doesn't feel like this weird thing of like, and like, I mean, don't get me wrong. If I were walking through the woods, even if I hadn't heard a bunch of people singing mm-hmm. songs along mm-hmm. my way, if I walked into the woods and I saw three naked ladies singing to me to come hang out with them, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I still would do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it stands out significantly less um, as like a weird thing to the audience because like mm-hmm. everybody's singing this whole time. So it's just like, and it is that thing of it's like, well, of course everybody's like, sitting around singing that's what you do and you know the old timey times what are you gonna do with your time i would like to point out like i kind of mentioned it before but like the magical realism in this movie to me is really fascinating because essentially there's a lot of stuff that is kind of seemingly magical but can all be explained away except for the fact except for tommy johnson does say that he sold his soul to the devil and there is no rational explanation as to why he would say that. 
and how he got his guitar skills. Which leads me to believe the only truly magical thing that happens in this movie is that Tony Johnson sold his soul to the devil at that crossroads. Right, right. And then says, well, I wasn't using it. <laughs> well, a lot of, what is it? What is Clooney says? A lot of lesser, lesser imps and demons, but the devil himself is a red skinned man who carries a large pay for. He goes, nah, man, he was like a, just a weird white guy. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? He had a mean dog. Like, which is great because yeah. then the guy that's hunting them is like a weird tall white guy with a, with a, a mean, mean dog. dog. Yeah, yeah, so it's like they're literally getting hunted by the devil. Like, oh, it's great. Uh, and what was your, okay, Vignetti movie? What was your favorite? Vignetti movie. What was your favorite? Um, God, that's hard. I mean, I hard. think I gotta say, and it's a crime that other than just mentioning the name, um, we have not spent more time on this. Yeah. I think my favorite five minutes is when Clooney gets to see his daughters again. Mm-hmm. And like that and the 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 uh, following scene with Holly Hunter. Yeah. Because first of all, Holly Hunter, national goddamn so treasure. Good. I love her so, so, so much. Um, I love her so, so, so much um, in everything I've ever seen her in. And it is just so much fun when it's like, he's a like, girl. So it's like, daddy, you're not our daddy. Our daddy got hit by a train. I'm sorry, what? And then just for the next five minutes, you just back and forth get yeah. like, best thing that ever happened to you was getting hit by that train. Who is this? <laughs> well, he's not my husband. My husband got hit by a train. And then, oh, sorry, go on, go on. No, I mean, I mean, that's pretty much it. That, just like, that is I, another... Sorry, go on. Sorry, finish it up. The insistence this movie has for repeating bits of just like that bit and just like that back and forth dialogue of just like, oh God, what is the the line that Clooney says when they're in the barn at the beginning and like things just keep going wrong? We're in a tight (laughs) spot. We're in a tight spot. We're in a tight spot. (laughs) It's just so good. He literally says it like seven times in like 45 seconds. And every time it gets funnier and funnier and funnier. It does. It really does. And that scene's great. The fight at the end of the Holly Hunter scene, that first Holly Hunter scene is great because it, it is, I think, one of the best bits of George Clooney face acting. Because <laughs> he gets cold cocked in the face and just kind of goes like, <laughs> like, it just, it, you can't see it audio medium, but oh, it's, if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's and Carson so did a good, pretty good job. I'd say, I'd say it's all like eight out of 10. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just offhand. I, I will just, just because I do need to get it in. My favorite bit, and the one that I think that nobody talks about in this movie, is the fucking is the George Nelson bit. Is a is just a bank robber who's off the run. <laughs> that yeah. was very very good. And the bit of one, he robs the bank, and clearly everyone in the bank is not afraid of him. They're just like, okay, this is, yeah, this is what he does. <laughs> right. You get the feeling that he's done this like three times this week. Well, I mean, that's his thing is we're, go- we're going for a record three banks in two hours. But it's like, it is that super fun thing of just like, first of all, in the George Nelson bit, when he just says, what does he say? He says, some of your, some of your stolen money came unstored or something yeah. like that. And it's just like floating around. And it's like, just like, just like, gee, like, oh. George, what do you do for a living? And it's just like, <laughs> As he's leaning out the window. Also, no. I hate I hate cows. I hate cows. <laughs> I like it's so brutal. Oh, oh and then, it's so brutal. And, and then just that thing. Over. Just just that thing of like. Then later in the end, when he's so excited, he got caught. Just like I've I'm, you know, I was big enough to get caught. <laughs> It's so funny. It's all he wants is recognition. Oh, it's the perfect tee up because like it happens so early in the movie that you forget about him. Right. It's just right. fucking. It's also the one one of the few moments of the movie, and there are a couple of really good heartfelt moment moments in this thing. But there is a true deep sadness to George Nelson sitting with his riches, and he's just kind of like twiddling his thumbs, and he gets and he goes, oh, "You can have my cut." I'm going to go, where are you going, George? I don't know. Just <laughs> yeah. walks off into nothing, into the empty night with no purpose or goal. It is the funniest thing in the world to me. And it's so sad. Yeah. It's I the mean, same thing. Sorry. It's, it's, really no, funny. it's the same thing. It's one of my favorite tropes 
visual tropes. I think it is one of the most perfect, like you can use it either comedically or dramatically. And it is both perfectly like perfectly elegant in both circumstances. It is anytime a character walks into a body of water with their clothes on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. Uh yeah, and I just I really think there is just there is not a moment in this movie that doesn't work. Yeah, it's James. Like, it's just it's just it's just it's just per- it's just really, really, really perfectly plotted. And like it's just it's it's there's enough in there that like nothing takes too long and like nothing but like it's not so jam-packed. It's like, ah oh, shit, we gotta get like we got to get eight more laugh lines into this mm, scene. So it's like, yeah. oh, that was really good. Like, it's just, it just really is this kind of like, you know, you kind of get to the end. Like, I got to the end. Um, I got to the bit where, you know, they're at the rally at the end. And I'm like, clearly this is the last scene. Yeah. Clearly they're going to do the thing where they're all celebrating and like, he puts his arm around Holly Hunter and then they have like the, the big, the big thing. And then like, it's going to roll cry. That's mm-hmm. which is weird because there's 17 minutes left in this. Movie. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Long cry. and then they get to the scene. Then they get to the scene. The, the next scene when they're like, they're leaving. I'm like, okay, this is like, you know, this is the Damien mile. I like, find. And then mm-hmm. they get to the next scene where they're mm-hmm. like, there's the showdown with the sheriff. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, how are they going to get out of this? And then they do the flood. And I'm like, does which... this end on a weirdly tragic note? And no, then they have the whole flood bit. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. great. Like, it's like, uh, what was what, it called? Like a roll, a roll top drawer. I'm like, okay. and then that's the blow line. Like that's yeah. the blow line of the film directed by Joel Cohen. Or yeah. is it, Joel directed. Ethan Joel directed. Lee. They both. I. I did. I did mistake and say that they both directed earlier, but now it is. Right. I always forget that this is one of the Joel it, just directed. Yeah. Ethan wrote and produced, and I believe that all right. of their early movies where they did that, they were still pretty partnered up for the most part. Right. But yeah, right. this is a Joel yeah, because, Cohen as Ethan Ethan produced. They both wrote and Joel yeah. edited. Like it's not produced by both. Anyway. Um, but it's just that thing where it's like directed by Joel Cohen. I'm like, oh, that's perfect. And then they f- and then they fade back up on a, on a scene with them walking through like the the uh, through the town with Holly Hunter. Yeah. And I'm like, like it's perfect. It's like it kind of it doesn't even end three times. Mm-hmm. You could cut to directed by Joel Cohen at the end of any of those three scenes. Oh yeah, and it would it, it would, would be fine. It would yeah. be a good ending. And it's just like it is just that thing where there really is. Like it's just it's just nothing overstays its welcome. And and everything is everything moves quickly enough and but is irreverent enough that like you know, I feel like if unless you miss like a crucial bit of dialogue, like yeah. like you could kind of also just like pull out any of the vignettes and like unless it's the one where they sing, you know, and yeah, I, unless like, it's yeah. Mm-hmm. Like like it is just such a good like movie of vignettes with a through line that just yeah it just works it's just perfect so it's really really good i'm, I'm really so glad, glad we watched this so. one Me. oh of course yeah. i don't think i i this is one of those ones kind of like i think you said this last week about uh mononoke is you were just like i kind of knew this was gonna be the one that like yeah like that i just knew was gonna be the ace in the hole like i kind of knew that about this one too which is why we also said last week that this is the best one two punch maybe we do all season <sighs> It's so great. It might be the best one-two punch ever. Like, I'm sorry. We might have just peaked in terms of one-two punch movie quality. And like, It is, it is the weirdest double feature on the planet. Absolutely. But... <laughs> it, yeah. It, uh, 100%. But yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, when when we were doing, you know, it was like, it's like obviously I know I'm going to like Mad Max, like the Road Warrior. Like, I know mm-hmm. I'm going to like the Road Warrior. I know I'm going to like Before Sunrise. Like... I was like, I was like, I'm sure like back in the beginning, I'm like, I'm like, I'm sure I'll like that Orson Welles movie we're doing towards yeah, the end of the season. Yeah. But I was just like, I was like, I know Oh Brother's probably gonna be like a favorite of mine. It's such a blowout. It's like and I do, I just I want I wanna personally just give, you know, one thing I want to talk about this movie before we go is that there is like yeah. it is so ridiculous and so broad, but there is a satire to it that is like surprisingly sharp like all the politics stuff in this movie mm-hmm. is so simple. Yes. And so effective. It is very Mel Brooksian, I think. It is like every time uh you have um oh boy, what is what is his name? Now I gotta look down at uh Papio Daniel. Oh god, Papio Daniel. 
Yeah. Happy O'Daniel and Homer, because it's the name of the Homer, Homer Stokes. Yeah. Anytime you do a scene with them, it is like a very Mel Brooks inspired, very simple, like, hey, aren't especially back then, it does make you think like, oh yeah, American democracy. There was a long time where like one, it wasn't real because like only white guys could vote, but like super wasn't real because it was like, how would anybody in the middle of the country know anything that like politicians were doing in Washington, like more so than even now? And like Literally, the thing that they're wanting is like, he's got reform. Well, daddy, maybe you should get you some of that reform. And I come and can't run and inform you, idiot. Like, yeah, yeah. it is <laughs> boiling down. Like, daddy, maybe you should be doing some politic in here. You know, a little bit of politic in here. Like, and and then, like, the the fact that Homer Stokes, the reform candidate, is a member of the fucking Klan. Like, yeah. is such a, like, oh, yeah, you know, it's these entrenched power structures in this country sure are pretty, um uh like, racist as shit, you know? But... Yeah does so very simply and very breezily like that satire is never the core of the movie but it is always there and i do think that it is surprisingly smart for how how kind of subtle it is no definitely and i mean it is that it is both that blessing and that curse of like all right you're doing something i mean honestly no offense to Mm -hmm. anybody but like really any anything about politics set in the deep south in any point in american mm-hmm. history mm-hmm. like the yeah. politics are kind of a little obvious of like yeah yeah what the good clear. one is and what the bad clear, one is if you think that they're not clear i would encourage you to do some thinking about some things right sit in a quiet but, room and do some thinking to yourself but it's it's just that thing of like it's that blessing and that curse of just like okay like we're doing some politically minded stuff in the american deep south it's like if we get overly like didactic about mm-hmm. it like we don't really need to be told yeah. now. Well, some some people do, I should say. But I like, guess, yes. We don't we don't need we don't need a blockbuster drama about how like, hey guys, by the way, like slavery was bad. Like, yeah. hey guys, by the way, like, you know, these things like the clan pretty bad. Like, we don't we don't need our eyes opened on that. So it's like it is that like that thing though of just like you can be pretty broad and pretty obvious. And, like, if you don't get too didactic about it, like, you can be pretty, like, you can be pretty, like, satirical and present without getting too on your high horse, which is, like, mm-hmm. what kind of works about this movie is it's not, yeah. like, a comedy where it's, like, oh, but, like, at the deep, seedy heart of things, like, isn't, oh, brother, where art thou really about how, like, racism in the South is yeah. bad? It's, like, it's, like, it's kind of like that from the first frame of the movie when they escape from the chain gang and they're the Every, only white yes, people. they're the only white people and they, and they are the ones that can escape. Like, wait, why are they the ones that were able to get away, you know? Right. And it's like, and they're not the hero. They're not exactly the heroes of the story because they're so fucking stupid. But like, you know, like they're comic heroes. Like it's it's amazing that they right. can get anything done. Um, but yeah, and the, but it is like, there is some real heart to the fact that they're like, they see Tommy about to get killed by the team gang. They're like, shit, that's our friend. We got to save him. Like, oh my God, we got to go. Like, let's get him. Right. And it's really fun that like at no point, like, like when they look out at the clan rally, like there's not a weird thing of just like, well, gee, who are those guys with yeah. them robes on? It's like, yeah. it's like, it's like they look out, they see their friend and they're like, we all know exactly what's about to happen yeah. and we all know that it's bad. So it's like, like yeah. there's no discussion about it. It's just the yeah. film is just operating on the assumption that like, so we all think the clans is bad, yeah. right? Yeah. Like we're not, we're not going to even flirt with the idea that the, the fun comedic characters that we've been following for all of their faults and foibles are a bunch of racists. Like they're better than most of these horrible people in the South at the very least. Right. Um, and it is the thing with the claim, which there is a, you know, a, a very large discussion that is half of some of the stuff I wrote my fucking master's thesis about. But like, there's a big discussion to be had about like responsible portrayals of, of like the Klan and Nazis and sort of, you know, horribly, especially like real world, horrible, oppressive groups. But I, I personally, it always works for me. And it's a, again, a thing that Mel Brooks does with the Nazis. And he has, a again, because he's a, he is a, a Jew, he has a special right to do so. Right. But like, like this movie and like Jaguin Chained has the scene. Like anytime the clan 
are not presented as a scary, horrifying force, but rather a bunch of stupid fucking nerds with stupid fucking robes who are doing dumb rituals in the woods because they're just so ignorant that they, you know, like anytime you can take the image of the clan and sort of reduce it into something that a bunch of like dumb, hateful, like rednecks do, I'm usually pretty into it. You know, you got to rob them of that power. Um, but yeah, it's good. I do like that time. It's really no, and I mean, you're right. And it's just like, it is always that hard thing. Yeah. Because like, I don't know, it's, I don't know, maybe that's just a conversation for another. It's a different conversation. I, yeah. I, I generally agree with you. And it is an extremely nuanced thing that I have I to way too complex of opinions about. Um, and that opinion generally arrives at the uh, station of, well, I can talk for 20 minutes. <laughs> I can talk to you for 20 minutes about why the answer is, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. um, but yeah, no, I mean I think I think you're totally right. And it's like Yeah. 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 So the thing with I mean, oh man, Black Klansman. Black Clansman's I mean, it is a great movie. I want to I need to see that. I haven't seen it's that yet. uh real good. It is very it's good. Real good. And I Spike, I, Spike Lee's Five Bloods, real good. Spike Lee's oh, I, role. Okay, I loved The Five Bloods. I loved The Five Bloods. It is uh, one of the best fucking movies I've seen in a long time. It's so good. Yeah. R.I.P. Uh, Chadwick. R.I.P. Chadwick. R.I.P. Chadwick, man. What? Uh, R.I.P. Chadwick, yeah. This is a, a, yeah. a that movie very... Got, that movie got, like, absolutely stilted. This is a conversation for a different day, but, like, and everybody talked about it already a year ago, but, like... What the fuck? That thing should have won all the Oscars. Like, what the yeah, absolutely yeah. fucking robbed. Yeah, absolutely like, fucking robbed. Um, but hey, don't worry, guys. Green Book won some. Stuff. Green Book did it. Anyway, uh, back whatever. to oh brother. Whatever. Right back now. to oh brother. Uh, Lovely movie. Final thoughts about this perfect, perfect comedy. I just, it is so lovely, and I have to say, this is one of the films that just like, on the one hand. I am so glad that I never saw because I got to uh, experience it this way and I got to do mm-hmm. it on the show, which is something yeah. I, I truly like love doing so, so much is doing the show with you guys. So it, it, it's such a treat to every time we get a movie that I, you know, that yeah. we really, really vibe with. On the other hand, I resent everyone I've ever known <laughs> for not making me watch this movie before. <laughs> and all of the people in my life who have said, how have you not seen a brother or art that? And I've said, I don't know. And they've said, it's one of my favorites. And I said, okay, cool. And they didn't say, sit down right now. You're watching it. All <laughs> of those people are now dead to me. Yeah. yeah. So I need a lot of new friends. Yeah. Um, half of my family uh, gone. Um, I imagine but yeah. we might need a new co-host because. Uh, no, because I Carson's the one who finally did it. I did That's it. True. I saved Fair myself. Enough. That's Fair true. Enough. And now, Caroline, you get the special joy of you're going to be sitting in a dive bar in two months and you're going to go, oh, it's the Soggy Bottom Boys. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Oh, you're right. You're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, I think that is a brother where art thou. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Corey, will you tell all the beautiful people where they can find us on the interwebs? Absolutely. If you like what you hear, please be sure to like us and subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. If you can, leave a, leaving a review really helps out the visibility of the show. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash HHYNS podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at HHYNS pod. A special thank you to our patrons, Caitlin Matthews, Stephen Woosley, and Nihar Fadke. If you'd like a shout out on the show and bonus content, head over to patreon.com slash HHYNS pod. We have multiple levels, all with their own perks, ranging from $1 to $25 a month. As I said, if you're interested in hearing more, please visit patreon.com slash HHYNSpod. Okay. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, that's that. Caroline, and, um, next yeah. week, what, what are, are we got? doing next week? Oh, wait, shit. It's yeah. You. Okay. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. I um, might leave that in. That was awesome. I can't, I can't <laughs> do what you did and do three in a row, okay? Yeah. I got that kind of power. We we have to save that for for next season for reasons. Ooh, tease, um, tease. Yeah. But yes, um, take a shot. We record these out of order. Yeah. Next there you week, go. Carson. Um, because I just the other day saw the indelible film, The Last Duel. It Still is. Need to see. Oh, it's phenomenal. I'm going to see it this week. 
Um, I would I would highly recommend everybody who is interested in going to see it to um, look up what it's about first because it's some pretty it's intense subject stuff. matter. Yeah. And um, if and 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 anyway, that's a side tangent. Last Duel Rules. It is currently uh, the it is currently the fourth on my top of the year list. It rules. But because Ridley Scott also has a movie coming out in about two weeks called House of the House of Gucci. House, House of Gucci. I almost said House of Gaga. <laughs> I we would are just going like to raise my hand and elect that we pronounce it House Gucky from now on. House of Gucky. I've been saying to myself. Um, next week, we are going to fill in what is maybe Carson's biggest Ridley Scott blind spot. Yeah. Yeah. It is it is a it is a one of the Blind's bigger blind spots of the last twenty five years, period. Yeah. Um, just because of the memes, just because of the 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 Oscars it won, just because of the place in the culture. Are we talking about Kingdom of Heaven? No, we are of course oh. talking about 2012's Prometheus. No, we <laughs> are <laughs> talking <laughs> Next week we are going to be doing, we are going to be doing the uh, the Ridley Scott Best Picture winning film, Gladiator. So yeah, um, I am really excited to do that. Um, I love Ridley Scott so so much. He is he is somehow one of the uh, most interesting filmmakers working at the age of eighty three. We got two movies in the space of two months. Yeah. I mean, partially because pandemic stuff, but still. Insane. But also because of King shit. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, <laughs> he so, erased Kevin Spacey out of existence. <laughs> so next week we are going to be doing Gladiator, and we uh, will see you guys when we talk that film. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.